Welcome back to the Two Guys, One Plant podcast, your weekly podcast where we deep dive into different vegetables and plants and we talk about the history, we talk about nutrition and medicinal uses, we also talk cooking and we also talk about how the best way it is to plant them. I'm Simon Hall and my gracious and ever-flowing hair uh, co-host Timothy Ackerman Uh. is here as well. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yes, thanks, mate. I, I, Simon is referencing my corona hair. <laughs> I have not Zombie. had a haircut for a while. <laughs> corona hair. Uh, yeah, it's looking majestic. <laughs> in a word, yeah. oh, it's it's mm. unruly, is what it is. Mm. You almost look like a lion with a mane. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, like it's 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 totally covering the top of your head, and your beard kind of rounds out the mane. (laughs) Yeah, and the longer it gets, the more it sticks up, which is so weird. Because I thought if I grew it out a bit, it would just sit down because it would be nice and long and heavy. But no, it just keeps going up. (laughs) Okay, so basically, you're telling everyone that your hair is just like bamboo. That's it. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Fantastic, mate. Oh, it's crazy. Uh, Very it's good. good to be back, mate. Here we are again. Indeed. Things are a little bit different this time we're doing the podcast. We just hit some extra restrictions in Victoria where we're recording at the moment where we, well, we can't really move around anywhere, can we? No, we're, we're tied up stage four restrictions and we're you know, mm. com- basically confined to our homes. Yeah. Yeah, so it just makes things a little bit more difficult. A little bit, but uh, I believe that we will get through this if we all do it together mm. and, uh, you know, maybe jump off the conspiracy bandwagon and just do it. I don't think the whole world is in on this conspiracy. I really don't want to open this can of worms. Mm. <laughs> no, I, so, I don't believe in any of the conspiracies. It's it's far it's there's just too much going on for it to yeah. be a global conspiracy. Yeah, it's it's a bit out there, isn't it? But that's okay. Everyone's got their opinions, which is perfectly fine. Mm-hmm. We just have the opinion that you're not quite well, right. <laughs> <laughs> no, look, well, I, the- I I've got a partner who's a an emergency, or I should say, an ICU nurse, and mm. while she's not at work, her friends are describing you know, what they're having to go through at work. Yeah. And, you know, that is very real mm. stuff they have to put up with every day. Yeah. Yeah. I can imagine it's mm. uh, I, I particularly feel for sort of health line, uh, healthcare workers on the front line. It's uh, it's quite scary, really. Mm. It is. Mm. Yeah. Yep. Not so much about, uh, you know, you may get it and be okay, but it's more the fact that you can give it to so many other people. Yep. That is the issue. But anyway, look, we are doing a lighter note right now. We are moving on to capsicums today. And for those who are listening from other parts of the world, it could be the bell pepper or something could else be like a that. But red pepper could yeah. be. Well, we'll go into the names, but in, in Australia or particularly, I think. I read it was Australia, New Zealand, and India mm. referred as the capsicum. The capsicum. Yep. Yep. And we're not singling them out. We're going to do the green and the yellow and the red mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because 
Just because. <laughs> because all all capskins matter. Correct. Yeah. Very yeah. correct. Mm-hmm. Well, we we'll just jump straight into our fun facts. I've got a doozy today. Yeah. Okay. It's well, going to take a bit, so I will let well, you kick it off. I'll start with um, a really basic fact, but um, capsicum is actually a fruit. Well, there you go. Mm, which, you know, it, as we go on, there's some things that are really surprising and some that aren't, but I mm. hadn't really given any thought to capsicum, but it is, yeah, it's botanically a fruit. Yeah, that kind of makes sense. I mean, it's in the same family as a tomato, so mm. yeah. Yeah, I, I thought it was interesting. I get that. Um, and so my next fact is uh, I actually took it out of my history and put it into a fact because I thought it would be more interesting on its own. Hmm. But, you know, Americans and a few other people call it pepper or, you know, you've got the bell pepper and sweet pepper and, you know, there's a few variations on the name pepper. Yep. And that Dr. Name, pepper? Yeah, that's right. And that <laughs> name actually came because... Um, black pepper so that, i'm going to talk about it in the history but um people m- mistook it for a red version of black pepper as in the oh. pepper and it and sometimes it had that kind of bitey peppery taste depending on which variation you eat wow the bell pepper is a bit sweeter but um yeah it was mistaken mistaken for a red pepper and that's kind of where the name came from that yep. is fascinating yeah there you go mm. well my fact today is a bit lengthy mm-hmm. and it's actually kind of current at the moment. Cool. Yeah. We're going to talk about pepper spray. Yeah. Mm. I didn't even, I didn't even uh, give any thought to pepper spray. So I yeah. know. Well, pepper spray is also called capsicum spray mm-hmm. and it is because it's, you know, it takes a compound from capsicum and, and peppers and concentrates it. Okay. All right. So here's a rundown. Pepper spray is an aerosol spray. Now it's got an inflammatory compound called capsaicin. Capsaicin. That's it. Capsaicin. Uh, Okay. So capsaicin basically causes burning, pain, tears, as soon as it comes into contact with your eyes. All right. Yep. Now it's a lacrimatory agent, which means that it stimulates your eyes to produce tears. Mm-hmm. And the oil known as oleoresin capsicum, that comprise it, that's the the actual oil that comprises the main component of pepper spray. Interesting. Yes. Now, capsaicin is the inflammatory agent, and it's the same chemical that adds heat to mm. chili peppers. Yep. I, yeah. I I did already know this going into it, but I, I oh. didn't realize it was in pepper spray. Yep. Yeah, so capsaicin, well, capsaicin's basically what pepper spray is. Yeah. Uh, just in a much higher concentration. Yeah, that makes sense. Now, now when we're talking about heat, because this is where it gets crazy, all right? Yeah. The heat of a capsicum or a bell pepper, uh, it usually measures between zero and 100 on the Scoville heat scale. Mm-hmm. Now, you, you would know what the Scoville heat scale is. For anyone listening who doesn't know what the Scoville heat scale is, it's basically a measurement to um, record how hot something is. 
Yeah, yeah this spicy hotness. Yeah. yeah. So, for instance, uh, a jalapeno pepper scores about 2,500 to 5,000 on the Scoville rating. And a bird's eye chili. Uh, yeah, have you eaten a bird's eye chili before? I have, yeah. Yeah, yeah and that's hot. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, bird's eye chili measures about 50,000 to 100,000 on the Scoville uh, yeah. range. Okay. Now, pepper spray. Commercial pepper spray that you can buy. Not like, in well, Australia, but, no, in, the but US in the US, you can yep. buy it. Measures about 2 million units. Jeez. Yeah. Uh, the ones that are marketed for self-defense or the ones that are, uh, no, sorry, the, the police issue sprays, they measure up to about 5.3 million Scoville units. That is crazy. Yeah. So you can imagine that when that sort of uh, concentration of uh, capsaicin hits your eyes, it's, it's really going to affect you. Yeah, that's why people just wince instantly. Yep. Correct. Now, usually what happens is uh, they experience like a boiling sensation and then it's followed by temporary blindness and a lot of pain can last up to 30 to 45 minutes, depending how strong the spray is. Um, I was reading though, in some rare cases, uh, it can cause cyanosis. It's a bluish uh, discoloration of the skin, which is uh, basically from blood flow, a lack of blood flow and oxygen. Um, in 1999, there was a study from North Carolina Medical Journal that found that people that breathe in pepper spray can actually experience acute hypertension, uh, sudden increase of blood pressure, which you know obviously increases risk of heart attack and stroke. This is where it gets even more interesting. There is, do you know about the Chemical Weapons Convention? No. Okay, so there's a chemical, chemical weapons convention which came into force in 1997 and it's got 193 state parties uh, and basically has a, a list of banned toxic chemicals uh, as, for use as a weapon for the sake of humankind. So like anthrax and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. So it explicitly prohibits the use of riot-controlled agents in warfare. So... You're not, in war, you're not allowed to use chemical weapons, which pepper spray is classed as a chemical weapon. Far out. Yeah. So I was, I kept reading it. So I was reading this article where these guys were talking about it because obviously it's pretty, uh, it's, it's widely used at the moment in America from law enforcement agencies because of obviously the, the Black Lives Matter protests, uh, and they've been using it kind of, look, each to their own how you perceive it, but I I feel like they just use it willy-nilly, like whatever they want to do, they just spray people, who cares, right? But uh, so this convention basically says you can't use it. Um, now, it was unclear whether riot control agents were pro- prohibited under an earlier chemical and biological weapons treaty, uh, which was called the Geneva Protocol of 1925. And it was the US that was kind of in opposition of the interpretation, stating that the law didn't apply to chemical weapons that have a temporary effect. Okay. And that's basically why they use 
uh, that's basically why they can use um, that kind of uh, agent in riot control, but not in warfare. Yeah. And you can imagine in war as well, there would be, you know, if someone sent tear gas is just another, you know, kind of uh, chemical weapon that they can use. It can be mistaken for, you know, higher, uh, different types of chemicals, which deadly, can, deadly, you know, yeah. exactly. And exacerbate what's actually happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 That's interesting. Wow. Yeah. There We've you never go. have given any thought to that. I know. I just, I think I was really shocked at how, uh, potent it was. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I no idea. Um, what's the, what's the strongest chili? I can't remember what it's, it's called. It's a ghost pepper. That's it. Yep. Yes. And that ranks about two and a half million to three million. Yeah, right. Yep. So it's almost double what the ghost pepper is. Yeah. That yeah. is crazy. Yeah. Yeah, mate. That's interesting. Mm. Yep. Oh, well, um, before I did that, I had no idea about pepper spray. No. Didn't I, even give it a second thought. Neither did I. Yeah. 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 I, maybe I thought it was pepper. Or I didn't realize it was chili sort of thing. But, uh, yeah. Yeah, interesting. Um, so I've got two more facts to go with. Mm-hmm. The, so when you, you cut open a, a capsicum, um, have you noticed that there's very distinct sections inside? I have. Yeah, they're actually called lobes. Like earlobes? <laughs> yeah, lobes. Yeah. They mm. look a little bit like an earlobe when you cut it open. Yeah, so some have four lobes, some have three lobes, um, depending on what it is. But even right down to the small chilies, when you cut them open, you'll see they've got very distinct kind of chambers inside. Yeah. That's true, yeah. But yeah, the, the name's lobe. Wow. Mm. And my last fact is about colour. You know, we talked earlier about different types mm-hmm. of colours. Mm-hmm. Um, so most most varieties will start off green um, yep. and then they can undergo colour change um, as they mature. You can hear Hugh in the background. Yes. <laughs> the poor little guy's teething and he's not happy. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, as they mature, they change colour. The, um, the end colour is generally because there is some varietal difference between them. It's not like the one thing will go through all the different colors. They mm-hmm. all start off green and then they'll end up at whatever color they end up depending on the variety. Yeah. But you can have um, change range. It'll go from yellow to orange uh, to red. You can also get purple and lilac and even deep purple that uh, almost looks black. So there's wow. a bunch of um, bunch of different colors in there. The The really deep purple black ones, um, have been called as uh, chocolate bell peppers. Ooh. Yeah, and there's also been uh, some brown and some ivory as well. Wow. Yeah. Mm. That's cool. Yeah. I mean, I've definitely seen um, a purple, but uh, probably not brown or one that's really dark like a chocolatey colour. No, I've never seen that before. Mm. That's crazy. Yeah, it is. How yeah. cool. Yeah, very cool. Mm, some good facts today. Yeah, learning lots. I like it. I like it a lot. Yeah. Maybe in a good way, the history is not as uh, involved as some other recent episodes have been, which, Mm. you know, for some people that might be a relief, but it doesn't, you know, really doesn't have that kind of um, long history that has been ingrained in human civilization and the, you know, 
I couldn't find any reference to have been used as a symbol or religious or anything like that. So, you know, our history is going to be fairly brief, um, but uh, interesting nonetheless, I think. I wanted to um, maybe just start with, uh, I learned a few things that I wasn't sure, you know, if were common common knowledge, general knowledge and stuff that I just didn't know or if it, if it, if it is something that most people don't realise. But, I mean, I knew... I knew capsicums were in the chili family, mm. but as far as I can tell, they are essentially the same thing. They come from the same kind of scientific, um, you know, uh, head species called capsicum anum. Yep. And, you know, there's a lot of different varieties in there. So you've got pepper and chili and, you know, a bunch of different things. Yeah. But then habanero and a couple of other things are, are actually different varieties. Okay. But most of the chili varieties fall in the same category as capsicum. Now, the uh, only reason I'm saying this is because I, I had a little bit of a, a look at um, the difference between the two. And there's a, a very, apart from the capsaicin, because mm-hmm. there's very little, if any, in a capsicum. And then, you know, chilies kind of range up to, you know, lots. Yeah. Um, I found with, I didn't go into a lot of detail because you're covering medicine, but there, there's very distinct differences between the two. So mm. I don't know what you're going to cover on the, the nutrition and medicine side, but um, I tried to stick to as much of the capsicum as I could rather than the, the chili side. Yep. They're, they're kind of technically the same thing in a way. Yeah, so yeah, it's, yeah. I found that really, I found that really interesting that they were the same. Yeah. Yeah. So to be more clear, the, the, the pepper or bell pepper or capsicum belong in the nightshade family. So you mentioned before, same mm-hmm. family as potato. So you got, mm-hmm. uh, not potato, you said tomato, but potato, mm-hmm. eggplant, even tobacco is part of nightshade, that sort of thing. So they're kind of all fall into that, that nightshade category. And as yeah. I mentioned, the capsicum, capsicum variety has about 20 to 30 different species that fall under it. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. And bell pepper is one of those species that falls into the capsicum variety, mm. which is really interesting. And then um, if we talk about the names, so, you know, we've mentioned bell pepper and capsicum and chili and that sort of thing. Yes. This was another thing that was a bit of a, an, an eye opener for me because and I felt really, really silly. And I asked Chris if she knew and, and she knew the answer to this. And I was like, oh, maybe I just, I didn't know. But uh, <laughs> paprika. Yes. I had no idea that that is actually dried capsicum. I didn't know that. Exactly. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Is it really? Well, Chris didn't know. She guessed. Okay. And she said it couldn't be many other things, you know, based on its color and, and, and flavor. And I thought I didn't even put the two together at all. Yeah, sometimes you just don't put spices together with plants. But, I mean, a lot yeah. of spices are just dried and ground up plants, right? Yeah, yeah. I think that kind of goes with turmeric and yeah, you know, other yeah, plants yeah. that you... Ground up root, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah sort absolutely. Of thing. Yeah, definitely. So what I want to do first before I get too far into the history stuff is just talk about some of the different names that uh, appear for capsicum. Mm. So, you know, English names, we've got chili pepper, green pepper, paprika, red pepper, sweet pepper, bell pepper. Um, in Spanish, again, this is another thing, pimento, mm-hmm. which is, you know, another common name for a spice. I've had one um, of them before. Yeah, there you go. Mm-hmm. There's also, uh, my Spanish isn't very good, but uh, <laughs> chile, chile dolce. 
That was absolutely amazing. Man. <laughs> uh, Are you Spanish? Yes, very. Portuguese <laughs> is also pimento. Um, French, I uh, don't even know how to pronounce it. Poivron. Poivron. Yep. Uh, and then um, you've got like uh, the in the Bahamas, they call it the bird pepper. Yep. Um, Germans, they have a name that sounds very much like paprika. Uh, what is it? What is it? No idea. The <laughs> Netherlands. I don't know how to pronounce it, but it's Come on, mate. <laughs> in the Netherlands. It's spunks pepper. Spunks yeah, pepper. That's beautiful. Or Sweden is spunks. Spunks pepper. <laughs> anyway, a lot of different names for the capsicum, oh, including you know chili and chili pepper and that sort of thing. That's where it, mm-hmm, it started mm-hmm. to open up for me. I, I had no idea that. They were so close related, the capsicum and pepper. I knew they yeah. were the same, you know, from the same kind of plant, but yeah, the, the name is actually interchangeable in a way. Yeah, wow. Yeah, so um, re- really interesting on that point. But I feel like that is an issue, though, if you go over somewhere and you ask for, you know, red pepper in your... Mm you know, in something and they give you chili pepper or, or if you, you know. Yeah, definitely. If you're from over there and you come over here and you you ask for chili pepper uh, and you get, you know, chili, not, not yeah. you know, capsicum. Not bell pepper you, or something. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Then you, you yeah. got issues there. Because, uh, I mean, I, I mentioned the, cap, the capsaicin, but the main, the main difference between capsicum and chili is the sugar content as well mm. so capsicum's got a lot of sugar in it natural sugar whereas the chilies don't so there's a you know they are very different when it comes to eating mm. but at the end of the day the capsicum as a variety is native to south america okay yeah so it's 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 down as one of the first domesticated plants in mesoamerica and um, basically known since the beginning of civilization in the Western Hemisphere. Wow. So it's, it's thought that it was part of the diet there since 7,500 BC. So we're going, you know, back to the Aztecs and that sort of thing. Wow, that's cool. Yeah. Uh, there's, there's fossil evidence there that shows uh, prehistoric people from southern Peru right up to the Bahamas were cultivating uh, many different varieties of chilies. Uh, and that then spread to Central America between about 5,200 and 3,400 BC. So pretty old, but very isolated to South America and then into Central America. And this is um, just all the varieties of chili, is it? Yeah, all capsicum. So, the, the, okay. I mean, the, the general name is capsicum and chilies fall uh, under, yeah, under yeah, the okay, capsicum okay, name. Okay. Yeah. Oh, uh, so yeah, this so kind of varieties. envelops everything. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense, actually, because it's all under that... Latin name, mm, capsicum. capsicum and, um, yeah, yeah. Mm. I, yeah. For some reason, because <laughs> I saw it, I thought I thought it said capsicum anus, and I was like, "That's not. Is that right? Yeah, because is that just you like eat too much chili? <laughs> <laughs> what happens the next day? Yeah, that's it. Oh my gosh! No, they were fantastic. very literal with their names back then. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> uh, yeah, so. Um, there's thought that even today the the wild kind of ancestral chili types are still harvested and held in the same regard in that area. So they still mm. are using some of those kind of wild um, varieties. Wow. But um, the the fossil evidence that I was saying before, this, this discovery was reported in uh, the Journal of Science 
and it, it suggested that uh, the new world agriculture was far more sophisticated than we we once thought about yeah. you know the way they the way they domesticated and harvested this plant. And uh, the quote from this this journal says that uh, some people who have described ancient food ways as being simple will probably have to rethink their ideas because of this work. Um, and then it, another quote says that it tells us a lot about what was going around going on around prehistoric earth and um, that they found evidence of chili laced stew in pots in an ancient Ecuadorian village. And the importance of that was, is that um, when they did this research, it was before the technical invention of pottery. Oh, so it's kind of, that's why the same kind of changed the way we have to think about um, how sophisticated they were. And, uh, um, part of this part of this journal talks about uh, how do you actually trace the history of pepper when there's not really anything left. It doesn't leave a husk or other kind of easily fossilized evidence. And so it was a, a bunch of researchers. Um, they they found uh, this micros- microscopic starch grain on grindstones and like cooking utensils and pots and that sort of thing, and in the trash. And what they did was they've identified these micro fossils as residue from domesticated. So it's very clear that there was from domesticated species of chilies, not wild species. So it was clearly, you know, that they were domesticating um, chili long before they thought. Um, And like I said, and this was even before the technical invention of pottery. So it really kind of blew their minds a little bit at what they were doing with particularly the chili. So what I did was um, I was obviously researching the history of the capsicum. I then went and researched the history of chili and it's exactly the same information. So, you know, at this point in time, there's no distinguishable difference between whether it was a hot chili or a capsicum type situation, but we're just talking about the same, the same kind of plant. Yeah. This is kind of where history doesn't dry up, but it, it um, is very different to what we normally do because given that it has existed in Central America since, you know, 7,500 BC, so we're talking 9,000 years ago, mm. you would think that from this point there's a lot of history that, that comes with it. But mm. basically the history stops until you get to Christopher Columbus and the age of exploration. So there's, yep. there's nothing until you get to this point. Wow. And the thought is, is that it was either Christopher Columbus or uh, a physician that accompanied him um, that kind of reported the, uh, the use of capsicum in the Americas around 1493 to 1494. So we're jumping from, wow. you know, 7,500 BC to yeah. 1493 AD. So oh massive change in time frame. And Christopher Columbus is actually sort of credited with spreading capsicum around the world. Really? Yeah. The, the, everywhere you go, it says, you know, it was him who introduced it to Europe and took it everywhere. And it was um, really interesting because he, he introduced it to Europe. Uh, and this, we're now kind of looking in the mid 17th century. Capsicum was cultivated right throughout Southern and Middle Europe, um, both as a spice and for medicinal uses. Mm. But uh, the main reason, and I, I talked about the name before, but the main reason why it, it's kind of spread so quickly once it got to Europe was that they actually used it as a replacement for black pepper. 
Now, the reason why, because, you know, I'm sure every person listening here has got black pepper in their house somewhere. Yeah. But back then, black pepper was actually incredibly expensive. So to have this kind of really easy uh, replacement for black pepper, uh, it took off really fast. And I was looking into why the black pepper was so expensive. Mm. Uh, and it, and it, it's like some other things we've talked about. It was actually used as currency. Oh. So if, if we actually go back to 400 AD, a particular time when uh, the Goths invaded Rome, the, when they invaded, they demanded 5,000 pounds of gold and 3,000 pounds of black pepper. So oh that was they, when, they, when they invaded, they wanted black pepper. So even right into the Middle Ages, uh, according to what I read, debts and dowries were actually paid with peppercorns. So pepper had a, quite a high value to it. That is unreal. Yeah. So this is why Capsule kind of got the name pepper because it was a good replacement for pepper. It was like a red pepper. Do you reckon they use it as funny money? <laughs> it's like Definitely. counterfeit. They're like, yeah, yeah here's, your, here's your black pepper. Get some little stones away. and paint them black. And, <laughs> and they're like, what is this? Counterfeit. They gave us paprika. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, I love it. That was good. Yeah. So, you know, Christopher Columbus, he, he just spread it around, around the globe after this and, and it really just started to take off. Mm. Um, it was kind of introduced uh, around the same time. This is, you know, to Japan and India and, you know, kind of uh, the Portuguese were, you know, this age of discovery. Now you've got the Spanish and the Portuguese sailors. They're really just spreading it everywhere. They Africa, Asia, they took it everywhere they went. Mm. Um, uh, in Asia, um, it was introduced to the Philippines in 1888 and uh, was seen growing on the volcano near the capital city of Manila. Mm-hmm. Uh, Japanese and Chinese came up with their own names, um, all kind of around 1880s and that sort of time. But nice. um, really, that's kind of where the history ends. So you go from starting at 7,500 BC and then all of a sudden it's, it's, you know, the 1490s where Christopher Columbus has picked it up and then spread it everywhere. And then you jump again to the whole world's got it and that's it. Like there's no, there's no symbolic history to it. There's no, there's no religious, you know, offerings and there's Mm. no, it's not even, you know, records of ancient medicinal uses. And yeah, it was a really strange one to research, but I mean, As far as I could tell, that's the history of the capstone. <laughs> well, if that's what it is, mate, that's what it yeah. is. Yeah, it was. It might have something to do with it being a nightshade because, you know, back in history, I think that uh, there was a bit more stigma around nightshade vegetables yep. know, than what there was to, you know, regular or non nightshade re- vegetables. So, you know, having that as part of the um, part of its sort of makeup, it may have been that people didn't want to use it as much because of that. Yeah, and you know, probably the 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 spice. You know, people aren't. I remember when I first started eating spicy food, I always used to think, "Why would anyone do this?" You know, your mm-hmm. mouth on fire, and why yeah. would you even bother eating it? Yeah. Um, 
Whereas now I have chili and spice and just about everything I eat. Yeah. It's delicious, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It certainly gives it more body. Mm. Yeah. Mm. So, I mean, yeah, it was odd, but still kind of weirdly fascinating at the same time. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. That's cool, man. Mm. Well, I've got some interesting stuff when we start talking nutrition today. Cool. I was mm. hoping you would. Mm. Well, um, we're going to start off talking about a couple of different things. Usually I start off and we talk about, you know, what it's actually the makeup is, but I want to touch on the thing that we just were talking about in that the nightshade. Right? Yep. So. Uh, nightshade foods actually contain solanine, which mm-hmm. I think we've spoken about this in the very first episode we did on tomatoes. Tomatoes, yeah. Yeah. So basically it's a chemical which some people say it aggravates like arthritis pain or it causes inflammation. Mm. Um, the Arthritis Foundation have said that that's not true. Um, there still needs to be uh, more research done on, on that. <laughs> Poor little guy. He's so upset. Man, he sounds like he's in a world of pain. Yeah. Teething. Uh, yeah, that sucks, man. Um, okay. So although the, the Arthritis Foundation say that it's not exactly true and then more research needs to be done, uh, it, it is common for some people to kind of uh, feel like it triggers symptoms. Um, so you should just avoid those kind of foods. Now, you've touched on what nightshade vegetables include just before. And, you know, you said tomatoes and eggplant and, you know, paprika is one and bell peppers is one and capsicum is one. Uh, White potatoes is also one as well. Mm -hmm. And I think the biggest thing though is that solanine uh, chemical is actually toxic in high concentrations. Right. Yep. Yeah. So, um, although there's trace amounts found in potatoes, they're completely safe for people to eat. Uh, You know, there has been reports of poisoning from eating green potatoes. Yes. So, I mean, there's simple ways to kind of cut uh, nightshades out of your diet, but you know, you can swap out potatoes for sweet potatoes. You can swap out uh, for yams, which you just got a a bunch of yams the other day. I did. Sweet, sweet potatoes are not the nightshade. No, that's right. Yeah. And cauliflower is not a nightshade and Mm. mushrooms are not nightshade. So you can swap out vegetables for different things if you've got a, you know, an aversion to it. Um, So that's pretty much all I've got on nightshades. I just wanted to start off with that because capsicum falls into that family. The next thing we're going to touch on before I get into the nutrients and all, all the rest of it is what color capsicum is the most nutritious? Oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah. So do you want to guess? Well, I don't know that I could guess which one's the most nu- nu- nutritious because I would have thought the green one would have more chlorophyll and the, mm-hmm, the mm-hmm. yellow and red ones would have more of other types of phytonutrients and antioxidants. And they, they kind of all would have their own strengths and weaknesses in a way. They do. They but do. green's not as mature as a red. So I don't know whether the age comes into which one's more nutritious. So yeah. I, I don't know, mate. 
Yeah. Well, you're on the right track. So red ones are pretty much the most nutritious, you know, really high in photonutrients, which is what you just said. Um, so the red one actually contains about 11 times more beta carotene than the green ones. Yeah. Which makes and sense. Cause that's the color. Yeah. Correct. Yep. And about one and a half times more vitamin C. Right. Yeah. So it's had more time to mature and it's filled up with nutrients and yeah. Okay, Absolutely. So, you know, the red ones high in vitamin A, vitamin C, manganese, fiber, yellows high in vitamin A, C and B6, potassium and fiber. And the green ones are high in A, C, E, and iron and zinc. Okay. All right. Yep, so there so are differences. Yeah. There are differences, but you know, the red one, keeps all those sort of qualities uh, yeah. it's just that the green ones are higher in that at the stage that they're in yeah so yeah. if we're looking at it we're going green is high in this 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 and this but when we get to the red you know it's high in this this and this but it's also got got the iron and zinc yeah. and e and, and vitamin e and all that sort of stuff yeah interesting yeah, yeah. um so let's talk nutrition yeah all right. And we always talk about 100 grams of, you know, what's in 100 grams of it. So basically, you know, capsicum is made up of, you know, 100 grams is about 31 calories. It's 92% water. Uh, it contains one gram of protein. It's got six grams of carbs, of which 4.2 grams is sugars. Yeah. So um, natural sugar. Yes. Yeah. And which is, I mean, it's pretty clear that that is the case when you, I think this is the case with anything. If you pan fry mm. something and it caramelizes and you can see when you pan fry capsicum that it, it does a caramelized kind of, mm. uh, it has a caramelistic nature to it when you actually pan fry it, you know, then it's obviously high in sugar. Yeah. Um, it's also high in fiber. So it's got about 2.1 grams of fiber mm. in the hundred grams. So in comparison to everything else, it's got more fiber than it's got protein. It's got double the fiber than it has a protein mm -hmm. uh, and only about 0.3 grams of uh, fat. So again, carbs, it's mostly carbs, mostly sugars. It's glucose and fructose, which we, you know, we've spoken about this many times before, you know, bit of an issue with people on FODMAP diets uh, or who have, you know, an irritable sort of, you know, irritable IBS. bowel. Yeah, that's yep. it. Um, but again, really good source of fiber when you have the whole thing together. Yep. Now let's talk uh, vitamins and minerals. So we'll talk about vitamin C firstly. So a medium sized red uh, pepper, red capsicum, gives you about 169% of your recommended daily intake of vitamin C. Damn. Yeah. A lot, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, in terms of it's got vitamin B6 as well, um, which I think the most common type of vitamin B6 is uh, pyridoxine, mm. um, which is a, kind of a family of nutrients that help in forming red blood cells. Uh, it's also got vitamin K1, uh, which is known as phylloquinone. Uh, it's important for blood clotting, bone health. I think we've spoken about vitamin K in a couple of episodes as well. Mm. Uh, it's got a lot of potassium in it. It's got folate in it as well. Um, it's also got vitamin E. So vitamin E is really good for uh, nerves and muscles. Um, 
it's also uh yeah fat- so I, I spoke about vitamin e last episode because yep. it's your fat kind of fat soluble antioxidant and correct is your water soluble antioxidant yep. correct that's right and it's also got so you know fat soluble vitamins you get them from oil and seeds and you know some vegetables as well which is this is one of them uh it's also got a lot of vitamin a which we know as beta carotene so we spoke about this in depth in a couple of episodes as well beta carotene uh is converted by your body into vitamin a yeah um uh, it's also got a bunch of antioxidants, so carotenoids, uh, which kind of comprise of all the different things. So some of these are quite, you know, crazy names, but um, we've spoken about a couple of them before, but not heaps of them. Um, capsanthin, which is really high in uh, red capsicum. Uh, it's a really powerful antioxidant, which is responsible for the really red color. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also a carotenoid uh, called violaxithin, uh, which is in yellow bell peppers, uh, lutein, which is in uh, green bell peppers, and black paprika. Uh, it's not in the red peppers, though. Yeah. Okay. So, yep. um, and that's really good for eye health. Mm. Uh, there's also a quercetin, which. Uh, yeah, you know this one. Yep, we've spoken yep. about it before. Yep, yep. yep. So it's a polyphenol antioxidant, uh, which helps with chronic conditions such as heart disease and cancer. Uh, it's also got lutein, uh, luteolin. Sorry, uh, very similar to quercetin, uh, where it's a polyphenol antioxidant that has a whole range of different benefits as well. So it's loaded with antioxidants. It's loaded Mm. with uh, vitamin C, vitamin A, vitamin E. Really good for you. Uh, We're going to talk about eye health. So and we've spoken about this in the other episodes where we talked about lutein and carotenoids, you know, that they're really good at helping with, um, you know, macular degeneration and cataracts, uh, which basically happens from when you're aging. Uh, there's also a few studies that indicate that regular consumption of these foods, which are high in these carotenoids, you know, can reduce your risk for cataracts and macular degeneration, which is amazing. Uh, now we're going to talk about anemia prevention. So, oh, yeah, cool. Uh, anemia prevention for, for those that it's basically, uh, you know, you're not getting enough iron into your body. Mm. Um, so it reduces your ability for your blood to carry oxygen. Yep. So, you know, one of the main causes of anemia is iron deficiency. Um, you know, you can become really weak and you become really tired from that. So the red capsicums are actually a really good source of iron. Uh, they're also really high in vitamin C, which we know work hand in hand for you to absorb iron into your gut. Mm. So, um, as we mentioned before, you know, it's got 170% of your recommended daily intake of vitamin C in one uh, medium-sized red capsicum. Uh, and so, you know, being able to consume that with the iron that's also inside uh, capsicum, it allows you to, you know, really absorb that iron easily. Yeah. So, we've spoken about multiple other vegetables. Yeah, that, there's heaps. Yeah. yeah. 
that have, you know, the, the iron content and they all come with vitamin C. Yeah. I want to say the other kind of big one was beetroot, wasn't it? Where it had iron and C and yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it had all those other really cool things that kind of opened your blood vessels up for you to yeah. take the blood in really, really well. Yeah. yeah. Um, there are some adverse effects, you know, allergies are quite rare with this, but it does happen. Uh, people can become sensitive to them. Uh, so uh, I think it's, mostly due to kind of uh, the chemical structure of allergens that they're similar to what happens in these foods. So, you know, they, they keep saying, you know, anything in moderation is not too bad for you, but you know, people that have uh, an adverse reaction to capsicum, red peppers, bell peppers, you know, should probably avoid them. Yep. Yeah. IBS. Mm. Right. Yeah. It's not what you want. No. No. Nobody wants it. No. Now, you know, I didn't want to go too in-depth on everything, uh, like on everything that the vitamins and minerals can do for you because we've spoken about them multiple times. And to say that, you know, when it comes to uh, red peppers or capsicums, uh, you know, good thing about them is that it gives you that high dose of vitamin C. It gives you that high dose of beta carotene. It gives you, you know, a bit of iron that you can absorb uh, into your body as well. So really good foods to pair up with other vegetables. I think that's why, you know, capsicum goes so well in stir fries is that it mixes that with broccoli and it mixes it with bean shoots and it mixes it with, you know, whatever else you want to put into a stir fry. Yep. Yep. Cauliflower and, you know, and all these vegetables work hand in hand to really increase your absorption of all these nutrients and minerals. So that is essentially the nutrition uh, of the capsicum. Yeah. That, that was, uh, that was interesting. I had no idea it had that much vitamin C. Yeah. Lots, huh? Yeah, I mean, I I expected the long list of antioxidants. So mm. just from what I know, you know, when it comes to colours and you know all that sort of stuff, you know, you're going to get lots of antioxidants. Yeah, uh, but I had no idea about the vitamin C. Yeah, yeah. it's pretty cool. Yeah, it's uh, it's amazing. And and again, we got vitamin C and iron. Yeah, together. Yeah, it's so funny how nature it's almost like nature has been designed for us to thrive. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like it's, they yeah, it's work perfect. together for yeah. us to be healthy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm sure that that works hand in hand with other animals as well. You know, all, we all kind of function very similarly. Yeah. You know, we are a mammal. Yep. So, you know, other mammals would be working the same way. They don't yeah. want to get heart disease. They don't want to get, you know, these diseases that happen to them as well. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Mm. So yes, yeah, really, really interesting. And I, my key takeaway from that is um, there are differences between the colors. Mm. For me, it was, I, I would buy different colors and I do, I, I generally do, but I do it just so that they're different colors. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yes, like if yeah. you're putting it in a dish, you just mix up the colors or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you do actually get some differences between the two. So absolutely, I will keep I will keep buying different mm. colored capsicum.
let's talk about cooking. Yeah. Because, yeah, I mean, if we if we go back to the history and, you know, talk about how it was really native to South America, it was there for a very long time before the rest of the world got it. So, you know, in relative terms, the rest of us have had it. It's quite young, you know. Mm. But capsicums are used everywhere. Yeah. In every culture, every dish, they it's like it embedded itself instantly into the um, food culture of every, every yeah. different civilization. So, you know, you've got Spanish, you're putting it in, you know, um, types of chorizo and mm. um, hot chili and uh, mm-hmm. Hungarian have make a stew mm-hmm. uh, with sweet pepper, tomato, onion and garlic. You know, you've got um, Germany, Czech Republic, Slovakia, Croatia, Poland, Russia. They all, they all have... Um, many di- dishes that have capsicum and red pepper that are, yeah. you know, kind of heroed and, um, you know, you look at Mexican salsas and salads and that sort of thing where you've got, you know, raw capsicum and, and like the list just keeps going on and on and on. Yeah. About all the different cultures and everything that are using pepper and, look, and capsicum. Yeah. I don't want to go back too far, but you know, you, when you said that there was paprika as well, and yeah. I, I don't know why I didn't think that that was the case because you can get smoked paprika, you can yeah. get sweet paprika, you can get hot paprika. Hot, yeah. yeah. And there must just be all different forms of capsicum. I know. And this, this is, this is, <laughs> this is why I feel so stupid, right? Cause I went, I, I said, I said to Chris, I said, what do you think paprika is from? And she looked at me and she went, capsicum? And I went, (laughs) how do you you even know that? She goes, I didn't, but it just made sense that that's where it was from. So I went and grabbed the paprika out of the cupboard. Yeah. Sniffed it, let her sniff it. I went, I don't, I don't get, I don't see the similarity. No. And she goes, yeah, no, it makes sense to me. Completely makes sense. No, that's wrong. I don't get the the (laughs) flavor. It's not linking for me. That, no. the, the, the taste of paprika and, and capsicum. I'm not, I'm not well, getting that connection. I think it's because when you, when you cut open a capsicum, like a proper fresh capsicum, yep. they are like, they're fresh. You know, it's yep. fresh. It's crispy. And it's like yep. got a lot of water and you can tell it's got a lot of water. Um, yeah. It kind of glistens and yeah. yeah. And when you cut it, it like, you know, the crunches and then when you chuck it into stuff, it stays firm Mm. and, you know, it's just really good. You just, I just don't think of it like, cause the spice is dry and like, you know, it's got really depth of flavor to it and it just doesn't, it doesn't marry up. They're so different uh, texturally. I mean, obviously texturally, but they're so different in a flavor profile to what paprika and what fresh capsicum is, mm. it's really hard to get that link. I think. I, I agree. But then you know, I brought up smoked paprika to it, mm. and she mm. said, "Yeah, it's the same." You know, if you you char up some capsicum, it's the same. And no, I, it's not the same. I don't. I don't get. I'm not. I'm not getting it. Anyway, I feel. No. 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 I would really, really love no. to know. <laughs> I just want to know if it's common knowledge. Does everybody know that paprika is capsicum, or am I like, are we? Are we just it's of, both of us, man. I didn't know. I, uh, I just, I think I just didn't think about it. And that's, that's what I said. I'd never given it any thought as to where it came from. No, it's just yeah. paprika. Yep. And that's even it. when I was looking through, um, 
when I was looking through the list of nightshades to, mm. for the for my research, they list them separately. Yeah, well, paprika is a name under other you know other languages and that sort of thing. So yeah, of, I know, but I yeah. still, man, it's listed separate. They're almost like two different things. Yeah, I know. It's it's so weird, right? But I mean. Head scratchy, man. Yeah, it is. Yeah. yeah. But when it comes to actually cooking with a capsicum, there's there's mm. a lot of variety. Mm. Like stuffed, pickled, fried, roasted, mm-hmm. charred, raw. We mm-hmm. talk about the spiced paprika. You know, there's a load of different options yes. available when it comes to using capsicum. A couple of things I did um, have a look at, though, and I'd never really considered before. And I don't know if this is an American thing or if it happens in Australia. I'd love to find out. But they're talking about making sure you wash it properly before you uh, cook with it because it could be waxed, you know, kind of like apples and, you know, that sort of thing. I don't know if in Australia they wax it, but I'd love to find out because I'd never really considered that before. (laughs) Um, Do they wax in Australia? I'm not sure, mate. I'm not really sure. Only the Brazilians. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Oh, wow. Look at you. Uh, yeah, so, you know, I, I think whether it's waxed or not, it's good practice to wash your, your um, fruit and veg. Oh, absolutely. Anyway, just to make sure you've washed any nasties off it. Yeah. Well, how many other people have handled it? Exactly. Yeah. And I'm not just talking about people in the supermarket. You've got people transporting it, picking yeah. it, you know, you know, moving it along production lines. Yeah. So you don't know how many people have touched these things. And Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's the same with potatoes, man. I, That's it. Yeah, because yeah. I always do. You always find those cut marks in potatoes. Uh, yeah, sometimes. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> I don't trust them anyway. Yeah. Before I get in, wash your vegetables. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> Before I get into too much more of the cooking side, um, this may sound really obvious, but you know, I'm going to put it out there. When you're cutting a capsicum or a pepper. Mm. the best way to cut it is skin side down. So your knife goes through the flesh first and then finishes by cutting the skin rather than trying to cut the skin into the flesh. It's better to go flesh side into the skin. What? Unless you've got a really good knife. The flesh so you cut, side into cut the it skin. in half, right? And then yeah. you put it so it's skin down on the, on your chopping board Yeah, and cut from the flesh into the skin rather than having it skin up. Cause sometimes if you don't have a good knife, you kind of your knife struggles to get through that that skin uh, first before you cut it. So it's yeah, much yeah, easier yeah, to cut through the flesh first. I always cut it skin up. Do you? Yeah, that's no. weird. Oh, yeah, I don't. I always flesh. Yeah, but I always make sure my knife is super sharp as well. So yeah, mine's usually pretty sharp matter. too. Yeah, but yeah, you know, just so that makes so much sense, man. I don't know why I don't do that. That's, yeah. I feel I feel like this is my stupidest podcast yet. <laughs> I didn't know what paprika no, was. No, all- I didn't know how to, to cut like a capsicum properly. I'm cutting it like an idiot. But mate, this is the essence of, of, of why we're doing this. Yeah, because some- it's to learn <laughs> stuff. No, some- we're trying to learn. <laughs> Fair enough. The whole idea is to learn. Well, I am learning That's that I've been a bit silly. Yeah. It, just, it seems like such common knowledge though. I know, I know. But oh you know. Gosh. There's a lot to know and it's hard for... <laughs> don't just don't say, play it down, man. Just no. <laughs> it's hard for you, let's say as a parent, it's yes. very hard for you to pass all of that information on to your family, right? Because that's oh, typically absolutely. how information is passed on. Yeah. Um, 
there is a lot to know. Mm. Just can't be expected to know all of it until people actively start to to learn more themselves. That's true. The, the whole idea is to provide enough information to make you want to go and find out more. Mm, true, true, true. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And here comes the next <laughs> thing that I didn't know. Oh, I don't know no. if you knew. <laughs> Apparently, you know, the white pulp that's inside when you kind of open it up and cut it out, you know, yes. you cut out that sort of white fibrous. Yeah, 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 yeah. Apparently that is incredibly rich in flavonoids and can actually be eaten. Yeah, I know you can eat it. I always cut it out and don't eat it. Well, when you cook with it, it can make it bitter. Right. Okay. So that's why it's always removed. And I've seen lots of chefs talk about this as well, where they, you know, as soon as they cut the sides off of your your capsicum, they're taking that white pith out straight away because it can make it bitter. And, you know, when you're cooking with capsicum, it's a sweet flavor yes yep. especially the the um the red ones yeah and you don't want bitterness creeping into yeah your they're dish. trying to get put that delicate balance and yeah don't that's right bitterness. yeah 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 yeah. i get it but if you're going for health it's rich in flavonoids mm. yeah i've never i don't think i've ever eaten that. No, me either yeah definitely not how would you eat I, i'm gonna i'm gonna next time you're gonna eat it yeah like the seedy bit yeah Oh, I'll tell you how it goes. <laughs> okay, I, I got at least try it. I think it's at least it's like ass. <laughs> Probably. I, I don't know what ass tastes like. Oh wow! Well. <laughs> You're about to find out. <laughs> uh, you walked into that one. Thanks. <laughs> um, let's let's talk more about the cooking, right? I, I found mm. this. I found this website that um, showed some really ancient cookbooks that had. Capsicum in it. We talk. That's cool. When I say ancient, ancient's not the right word. Yeah. You know, like maybe, 1950s. Yeah. No, <laughs> kind of 1700s, 1800s, and then okay, right through. So there's a couple of different cookbooks right through to 1949, and they've you know they've posted photographs of the books, and then some books they've actually put photographs of the recipes that are in them as well. So it was mm-hmm. kind of cool to see what was in there. So, you know, like one from, I think it was 1870 something was stuffed, stuffed peppers, so stuffed yeah. capsicum, which, you know, a lot of people still do now. It's, it's a yeah, pretty man. common thing to stuff it. Yeah. Um, it's like the, the cup of vegetables. Yeah, know? that's like right. Yeah. yeah. So uh, there was one that kind of stood out to me and this is from a cookbook from 1949 and it describes stuffing peppers with creamed asparagus. Ooh. So I just, I want to read out this recipe from 1940, 49, right? So they ancient, actually this call ancient it, recipe, this one. Yeah. Go on. <laughs> they call it pepper cases, not, not like stuffed peppers, but pepper cases. <laughs> and uh, again, you know, you can tell this is from, from the era because it's, the recipe is one cup of canned asparagus. I don't know why you would buy canned asparagus, but anyway. Oh, canned asparagus is delicious. Man. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, this is canned asparagus tips. Oh, only yeah. the tips, only mate. The you tips. can still buy canned asparagus tips. Well, just yeah. buy fresh ones, Jesus. Um, you know, you got uh, some butter, Speaking some flour. Of Jesus, Jesus was a fan of of canned asparagus tips I too. Bet he was. Yes. I bet he was. <laughs> um, yeah. So some butter, some flour. I I don't know what this is, but I'm interested. Is a quarter a cup of asparagus liquor? Ah. I'm really interested to know what asparagus liquor is. Uh, mm. There's uh, some cream, 
And then uh, you've got um, some blanched almonds, salt, paprika, nutmeg, some breadcrumbs and cheese, whatever. And you, you know, put that in the oven. But, you know, wow. I just thought it was interesting to see these kind of old recipes. There was another one where yeah. it was like um, puree roasted peppers with sauteed onions and zucchini to make a soup. Ooh. And this recipe was about making a soup, but my thought went straight to turning that into a dip. Yeah. So pepper and onion and zucchini and into a dip. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, these are some, some quite old recipes. And then um, I, I started to come across uh, some other ones that really jumped out to me about what I could be doing with egg, uh, eggplant. I'm reading the recipe while I talk to you. <laughs> what I could be doing with capsicum that uh, I'm not at the moment. Yeah. So one was a smoky eggplant and capsicum dip. Oh, yeah. Uh, which is obviously eggplant and capsicum, capsicum, some roasted walnuts. And, and this goes back into our uh, pomegranate episode, two tablespoons of pomegranate molasses, mm. some white wine vinegar, olive oil, some pepper and some smoked paprika and turn that into a smoky eggplant capsicum dip. Yeah. Sounds amazing. I know. Right. Mm. And, and this last recipe is I messaged you about this and said, I found this, this really good recipe that I'm definitely going to try. Yeah. But you didn't tell me what it was. No, I'm telling you now (laughs) I found this on, do you know the minimalist baker? Yes. Yeah. I found this on the minimalist baker website. Yep. And it's a, a vegan roasted red pepper pasta. Roasted red pepper pasta. Yep. Okay. So basically you're creating, you, you, you're just, you know, cooking up your spaghetti the way you normally would, a bit of boiling water or whatever, but you're creating your pasta sauce out of roasted peppers instead of say a tomato puree or something mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. that. So you really, you, 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 you kind of oven roasting and then you, you oven roast and then you char grill some red peppers yeah and then uh i'm just gonna try and i'm trying to paraphrase through through the recipe maybe i'll go through the ingredients first you've got peppers olive oil shallots garlic um some almond milk nutritional yeast mm-hmm. some cornstarch so what you're doing is the cornstarch and the nutritional yeah. yeast to try and thicken up your sauce yeah yep. yep um there's um chili flakes uh some yeah some spaghetti and and noodles or whatever whatever kind of pasta you want to use and then you know some topping is vegan cheese and vegan parmesan and some bars some parsley or basil but Mm. so going through the instructions you've got you cook your red peppers um until they're charred Mm -hmm. peel away the skin and set aside uh cook your pasta blah 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 with the red peppers roasting bring a large skillet uh, to the heat, saute onion, garlic in olive oil until it goes brown and soft. Mm-hmm. Bit of salt and pepper, and then uh, transfer the the sautéed shallots and garlic into a blender with the roasted pepper, almond milk, um, mm. chili flakes, nutritional yeast, cornstarch. Again, season to your liking of salt and pepper. Blend that up till it's creamy. Um, then you can play with the consistency by adding nutritional yeast and some cornstarch to try and get it to the, the right um, flavor yeah. combination. The, the key here, what they say is that obviously the pasta doesn't have a lot of flavor. Mm. So what you do after you've blended it up is um, try and try and make your flavor as robust as possible, because mm. this is the flavor of the dish by um, playing with your nutritional yeast, um, the amount that you put in there. So you kind yeah, of okay. just keep playing with the, 
yeah, nutritional yeast and then uh, add it to your noodles and serve it. And I was like, once, uh, sorry, once nice. blended, place the sauce back in the skillet and then heat it up until it um, starts to thicken a bit more to mm. whatever your desired consistency is. And then yep. into the noodles, toss it around with a bit of olive oil uh, and then garnish with your, your vegan parmesan and uh, parsley or basil. And nice. man, it sounds so amazing. <clears throat> You know what that reminds me of? No. Have you had Ajvar? No. Okay. So I can't remember exactly where it's from, but I think it's it's either Polish or Hungarian or you know it's it's or Croatian. I think it's pretty common in all of the countries over there, but Ajvar is basically olive oil and roasted peppers and sometimes I have some eggplant in them, but it's like just cooked down until it's a thick paste. Wow. Yeah, yeah. okay. And it is, and uh, it's got garlic in it and all that sort of little spices as well, but it's one of the best things you will ever buy. Mm. So you can buy it in jars and it comes in, you know, these jars and it's almost like a Romesco sauce. Yeah, okay. Yep. Yeah, but uh, it's pretty much what you just said. It just, you know, if you added some extra nutritional yeast to it and, and the rest of it, you could basically do exactly what you've said yeah. uh, yep. without having to cook down so many capsicums. Because I'm assuming there's like four or five capsicums in that. Uh, with this one saying 220 gram peppers. So large ones, I, I assume. Mm. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I kind of feel like you need lots, but. Probably need more. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but you know, in saying that if you haven't had Ajva, which you have not go and get, a, a, yeah, we'll go and get it, man. You'll be able to get it from Sicilina. Um, yep. I don't know if you've got somewhere like that near yeah, Tully's here. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Go in there and get Ajva. We use it when we have falafel bowls. Nice. And we do a big scoop of Ajva and a yep. big scoop of hummus. Yeah. That'd be amazing. Both yep. together. And it's the best. Yeah is the best. Ajva is the best. Like it's amazing, man. What is it? It's the best. Yes. It's uh spelled A J A J V A R. Yeah. 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 No, nah, cool. I mean, for me, I I just love raw capsicum. I don't know how much you've oh, eaten. No. Nope. Really? <laughs> no. Oh, and when people delicious. put them out for dippers, like for, you know, your Dunkin' dippers for dips yep. and all that sort of stuff. Nah, man, that's the first thing I avoid. But it's so sweet and juicy and uh, it's delicious. I really just don't like it raw. Fair enough. You don't have to like it. Yeah. yeah. I like them cooked. Yep. Uh, they do They do grill up nicely though. Like yes. They char up really well. Yeah. yeah. And like, you know history for me cooking with it is I've turned them on the open flame on your, yep. you know, on the, on the stovetop and, you know, get them to the point where you can peel the skin off of them. Yeah. And it, you know, they're just completely beautiful and like, just, mm. you know, I, I, I love capsicum. I love cooking with capsicum. Yep. And I, I guess now it kind of explains, I love paprika. I loved smoky paprika. Mm. I love hot paprika. I love sweet paprika. They're all delicious in their own right. Yeah. And I use them all the time yeah. in cooking and uh, yeah, I love capsicum. So it kind of, you know, it makes sense. 
Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's in that, it's the only ingredient in that thing that I make. Yeah. So I made this thing, I, I, don't, well, I haven't told anyone about this, but basically um, there's a dish that I make that's just shaved fennel, shaved uh, Brussels, Brussels sprouts sprout. yeah. and shaved um, onion. And I just chuck it all in the one pan and, you know, and we fry it up with some paprika. Fried up and just paprika <laughs> and a yeah. bit of a bit of butter and that's it. It's amazing. And we put, mm. I put it on top of polenta and it is the best. Yeah. I love it so much. Anyway. Yeah. But mate, that, that, that's cooking with capsicum. Yeah. I'm going to be cooking heaps of capsicum this week. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. Yeah. I love it. I mean, I, I love a good salsa and yeah. Uh, yeah. I got to go get some more Ajva. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to have to go find some. Yep. Yeah, man. You won't regret it. Mm. Wow. Awesome, ma'am. You want to teach us how to, how to grow one? Let's talk growing capsicum. Uh, pretty easy to grow. And they grow on a bush. You've already said that they are part of the chili family or cap chilies are part of the uh, capsicum anum family. Mm -hmm. Uh, And they all grow pretty much the same way. So it grows on a little bush and then has these little, you know, little stalks that come out and they grow on the end of that. And then they hang off to these little bushes. So the biggest point about this is you need to protect it from strong winds. Yeah. It makes sense. Yeah. Otherwise, it's just going to blow over and you won't get any capsicum from it. All right. So plenty of sun, well protected. Keep it away from strong winds. Um, You can grow them in a pot. You can grow them uh, in the ground. It's pretty simple to do. Uh, You know, you got to keep them about, uh, you know, if you're growing it in a pot, you need it to be at least, you know, 50 centimeters in diameter. Uh, and make sure it's in a sunny spot, obviously. Um, In terms of growing tips, because these grow just really well, uh, you know, they're usually self-supporting, but uh, you might need to give them a little bit of support so you can hammer in stakes to make sure that they grow really well. Um, And you, if it gets really hot, like if you're in an area where you get hot summers, then it's sometimes really good to use a shade cloth. That's mm-hmm. like a 30 to 50% shade cloth to uh, prevent sun scold, which happens to capsicums if they get, you know, smashed with the sun. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Mm. So it takes them about 10 to 12 weeks to fully mature. Right. Yeah. So, uh, and that, you know, you can harvest it when they're green or you can wait a little bit longer and wait until they change color to something else, um, yep. which is pretty cool. In terms of companion planting, uh, tomatoes grow really well with, uh, with capsicum. You can plant them in the same, um, you can plant them in the same garden. Um, carrots, cucumbers, radishes, squash, uh, they all grow really well um, right next to uh, peppers. They're all part of the Allium family. Mm-hmm. Um, eggplant grows, grows really well, another nightshade. Um, beets and parsnips and corn grow really well next to it as well. Uh, in terms of 
uh, herbs. So basil grows really well next to uh, that. I think we found that basil grow, grew tomato. really well with tomatoes as well. Yeah, so maybe it's a nightshade thing. Yeah, I think so. And plus, I think that, you know, we, we've spoken about companion planting a lot in terms of if they go well traditionally in a dish that you cook, you can pretty much guarantee that they're going to grow really well together mm. um, outside of that. So when you start talking about what do you put into a stir fry, mm. you put capsicum and garlic and carrot um, and they all grow really well together. You know, you can put basil with capsicum as well. Uh, parsley is really good for it as well. And that, you know, gets the ward off like aphids and things like that. Uh, you can also plant rosemary and oregano um, around them as well. Yep. Um, and also dill has a really good, um, is really good next to capsicum as well because it helps to repel different types of pests. Um, and it's also like pretty good for shading space as well around the capsicums. Uh Plants to avoid. So the things that don't do well next to uh, capsicums are anything from the brassica family. Oh, yeah, okay. And fennel is not good either. Mm-hmm. Okay, so brassica family, we've spoken about this as well in previous episodes. You're talking about broccoli and yeah, kale. Cauliflower, and, cabbage, yeah, kale, yeah. kohlrabi. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and also, if you have an apricot tree, don't plant it anywhere near. Oh, Good to know. Don't, don't plant peppers anywhere near apricot trees because it actually can um, start a fungal disease. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah okay. Which, which it, it, it's a fungal disease that occurs on the capsicum and it can spread to your apricots. Right. Okay. Mm. Yeah. yeah. yeah there you go. Mm. So pretty easy to grow. Yeah. Let's be yep. honest. And relatively quick in the grand scheme of things. Yeah, absolutely. Twelve weeks isn't long. No, that's pretty good. Mm. Yeah. So, um, you know, you can grow them from seed as well. Uh, I didn't touch on that, but you can grow them from seed. And basically when you're transporting them, you want them to be about five centimeters tall before you start moving them over to, um, yep. you know, soil or where you're actually going to grow them. Mm. Yeah. Mm. I think you have to dry the seeds out a bit before you sprout them too. You do. Just yeah. to get, they've got a coating on them that stops them from sprouting. Same yeah. as a tomato. Yeah. yeah. I actually found that with um, garlic as well. I usually leave garlic out if I'm going to plant it and let mm. it sprout on its own. And then, you know, it dries out a bit and then I plant it after that. Yep. yep. Mm. Well, no, there, cool. there you go. That's how to plant and grow capsicum, what you should plant it with. and Amazing. Yeah. Simple one. Yeah, very simple. Real simple. simple. Yeah. Mm. Well, it's good. And I'm sure that fresh capsicum right off the bush would be phenomenal. It probably would be. Yeah. Hey, we could just I could just imagine you sitting down, chowing down on a fresh capsicum that you like, and then eating that center heart that's all white and eating all piffy the white. and it's <laughs> disgusting, man. I've never eaten it, but I will. Yeah, well, I'm looking forward to hearing what how that goes. Mm. Mm. Yeah, maybe you should video it and I show don't have everyone. my hopes very high. <laughs> yeah, I don't have hopes high for you either, mate. You may want to dunk it in something like uh, I don't know, get some sauce. Maybe yeah. you can. Maybe you could marinate it and then cook it in the oven. Make a make a capsicum dip and then mm. spread that all over it. 
a great idea. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Sounds well, that's it, work. man. That's mm, another, that another week done. Another one down. Yeah. And we, I've got, we, something's a little bit different this week. We can actually tell you what episode is next. Yeah. We kind of a little bit organized. Yeah. Somewhat semi-organized now. Yeah, maybe a little bit. <laughs> mm. Well, we're doing pineapple. 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 How yes. much do you know about pineapple? I know a little bit about pineapple. Yeah. Okay. Uh, not heaps though. I don't. I don't think I know any nutrition. There might be some vitamin C in there. Mm. But outside yeah. of that, I'm not. I've got no idea. I'm not really sure. Yeah, I know a little bit about how they grow. I know some facts about how they grow that are pretty crazy. Yeah, I remember going to the Big Pineapple as a kid, but mm. um, I don't remember all of the information. that. Mate, was... the Big Pineapple's closed now. Yeah, so sad. That's really sad. Just to go there for the parfaits. Yeah, man, I've got really fond mm. memories of the Big Pineapple. Yeah, on the train. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, wow. For, for anyone who's a... not Australian, <laughs> it a, was a tourist location. Yeah. Yes, it was huge. And you could climb farm. up inside it and stand on the top and have mm. a look out over the whole pineapple farm. Yeah. That was so cool. Mm. Yeah, it was a good What a spot. shame, hey? Yeah. Mm. But yeah, so we've got our second guest. Yes, on for pineapple. That'll be yeah. a good one. Mm. It's going to be really interesting. We've got, uh, we've got Tessa Carroll who's going to be joining us. And she is the founder of a number of companies and one of them uses pineapple in the production of materials. We'll get into that uh, when we talk next week though. Yeah. I'm really fascinated by uh, what they're doing. So yeah. it'll be good to kind of learn a bit more. Yeah. It's really cool. I, I mean, I've, I've interviewed Tessa before um, just through messy veggies, but uh, she is a wealth of knowledge when it comes to this stuff, and she is a, you know, a, a staunch eco warrior when it comes to, um, you know, this area. So, it's going to be really good to talk to her about this. Yeah, looking forward to it. Absolutely. Well, thank you everyone for listening. Thank you for following on Instagram and Facebook. Uh, there's lots and lots of information. There's, uh, I just put up an, uh, a recipe with sunflower cream in it. Uh, from last week's episode. So go nice. check that out. It's a winter soup, which is delicious. Uh, I really enjoyed eating that, by the way. A bit. Yeah. And I loved swapping out cashews for sunflower seeds. Yeah, man. That was, that really was cool. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, thank you for everyone listening. Uh, chuck us a message on, on Instagram if you want. Uh, we're always there to say hi. And we will see you again, hear you again talk to you, talk at you. Next <laughs> yeah, uh, talk at you. Yep. We will talk at you next week. <laughs> uh, but until then, do yourself a favor and go eat some more plants.